That chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's a swing and a hard ground ball. Base hit into right center field. That's going to score both runners. Thomas in from third. Robles coasting in around from second. And on at first is Luis Garcia. And it's the Nationals four and the Pirates nothing. 2-2. Robles rips one to left. That's going to be a fair ball by the left fielder Joe to the fence. And it will clear the bases. Smith scores. Abrams will score. And jogging into second with a two-run double is Victor Robles. Nationals lead at 7-1. The 1-2. Swing and a miss. He blew him away with a fastball at 93. And Gray finishes off the sixth inning. 1-2-3 with back-to-back strikeouts. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, May 1st, 2023. Along with MadisonSports.com, Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman was at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, you know the saying, April showers bring May flowers. We, over the weekend in the Washington, D.C. area, got our share of April showers. But we, on Sunday afternoon, after the start of the game was delayed for two hours, 26 minutes by rain, got a performance from the Nats that was worthy of flowers. A 7-2 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates at Nationals Park to avoid a three-game sweep. Josiah Gray was good for a fifth consecutive start. The Nats pounded 15 hits, worked four walks. Nats now 10-17. and 17. The Pirates dropped to a National League best 20-9. and nine. You can email the show whenever you like, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We got this email from Bob in Virginia, writes Bob, a little while ago on the podcast, Al mentioned that in the late 1940s, the Braves had spawn, sane, and pray for rain. Also, in the 1970s, the Angels had Tanana and Ryan, then two days of crying. <laughs> How about the 2023 Nationals? They have Gray and Gore, and then three games to ignore. What do we think about that? Is that a phrase, a mantra that could catch fire, Mark? I hope not, Al, because we certainly don't ignore those other three games, and we don't want our listeners to ignore those other three games. I can understand why they may not feel as significant, and they may bring a little more heartache than the other two do. So, you know, I get that, and it's a good rhyme. I I appreciate it. We're always trying to think of things like that, so I appreciate that. I will say, though, it is becoming must-see TV when those two guys pitch, and that is if nothing else went right for the Nationals this year, and you certainly hope that more does, but if nothing else went right for them, if... 
Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore do what they did throughout April for the entire season, this is a huge success. This is such a big deal for them. You have to start with something and two young quality starting pitchers acquired in those big trades. I can't think of anything else that would mean more to this franchise in the bigger picture than if that were to happen. This installment of the Nat Chat Podcast is brought to you by Shirtgood. Make sure that you visit shirtgoodhq.com. Great selection of custom DC novelty t-shirts. That website again is shirtgoodhq.com. Don't forget to check out our new website, natschatpodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the show. You can contact the show. That website is natschatpodcast.com. It is awesome what we are seeing from Josiah Gray right now. And you know, in a game in which the Nats hit really well, in a game in which the Nats, in a lot of ways, do to the Pirates what the Pirates did to the Nats on Saturday night, not in an extreme of a fashion, but still, that was a convincing win for the Nats on Sunday. And, you know, that was a game that was not easy. I mean, you know, you had two and a half hours of rain. The Nats have been playing a lot of games lately. The Pirates pummeled the Nats the previous day. Nats came out and played well in this game. But yeah, Josiah Gray has been so good. And, You can't say enough about this, what is happening here, especially off the struggles of the last two seasons, especially off the struggles in his first start of this season. Josiah Gray has been really like an ace. I mean, his ERA for the season is under three at this point. Even with the bad first start, he's got an ERA now under three. So Gray in this 7-2 win on Sunday, like I said, good for a fifth consecutive start, one run in six innings, six strikeouts. He only gave up three hits, a double and two singles. He did issue three walks. Okay. Uh, He threw 105 pitches, 63 strikes versus 42 balls. Every time we talk Josiah Gray, we talk about the pitch selection because that is such a big thing with Gray. I thought it was really interesting what Davey Martinez said to you guys during his postgame press conference about an in-game adjustment that Gray made on Sunday. He started off throwing a lot of breaking balls, and then he kind of regrouped after that third inning, and then he attacked with his fastball. That's what I love. Yeah, so he started off throwing a lot of sliders, and we know that's kind of his best pitch, and he can sometimes rely on it, maybe even too much so. And let's be honest here, he wasn't all that sharp. This was not his best performance in terms of how he looked, how the pitches were coming out and where they were landing. He was effective, though. He was able to get out of some early jams. And then what he did to really make this into a quality start is after three innings, he's at 66 pitches. I'm thinking to myself, boy, they're just hoping for five now out of him. And instead, he retires nine of his last 10, finishes at 105 pitches, and he did it by turning to his fastball. And we know, we talked about it all last year, we talked about it all spring, how that's the pitch that would get him into so much trouble, especially the home runs. He showed that he can be effective with it. And the best thing that he did, he finished his, this was a Max Scherzer finish to a start. He strikes out the last two batters, knowing that he's emptying the tank. This is all he's got left. And he did them both on fastballs. That to me is a really big step for him. He wound up with five swing and misses off the fastball, seven off the slider. If he in the back of his mind can know, hey, I can actually get out. I can get strikeouts with that pitch. That's really big for him and to see him make the adjustment and to see him have success with that pitch and close out a start in style. That's a big moment for him in his development as a starting pitcher. So Josiah Gray in that first start of this season, that 7-1 loss to the Atlanta Braves at Nationals Park on April 1st, five runs in five innings, gave up three home runs. Since then, one run in six innings, six strikeouts, two runs in five and two-thirds innings, 
One run in five innings, six scoreless innings with nine strikeouts, and now one run in six innings with six strikeouts. Gray, since that hideous first start, has allowed just five runs in 28 and two-thirds innings, and he over these last five starts has given up one home run. And I think like that is as big as anything. And I don't know if we're at the point yet where we can plant the flag of victory of the Josiah Gray home run problem has been conquered. But I tell you what, we're starting to maybe get close here. I mean, he had a massive home run problem. You really can't overstate that. He came into this season over the previous two seasons, having given up a staggering 57 home runs in 219 and a third innings. But you look at him now, this season, four homers given up in 33 and two-thirds innings, and three of the homers came in that first start. This is amazing. And especially, again, the first start screamed at you, the home run problem hasn't been solved, maybe even has gotten worse, and instead, he has been lights out in that regard since that start. So I was going to say, I want to withhold judgment until the weather heats up, because then you're going to start to see if the ball travels. But you know what? It's not like he's given up a lot of drives to the warning track that are being caught. Uh, that's not the case. There was one moment in this game where I, and I think a lot of people, thought he had given up a home run. We thought Laz Diaz blew that call down the line. And then lo and behold, when you watch and replay, it was a foul ball, even though it looked like it landed on the fair side of the pole. So credit to Laz Diaz. He actually got that one right, because I thought that was a home run for sure. No, this is a big deal. And yeah, let's wait a little bit longer until we proclaim anything definitively. But I think it's a testament to all the work he put in the offseason with the mechanics, making sure that he wasn't having those fastballs that leak back over the heart of the plate, like was such an issue for him last year. He's not hanging the breaking balls. He's mixing it up, having more variety. He's not as predictable in what he's throwing in any given situation. That's maturity. That's such a big part of being a successful starting pitcher. Yeah, you got to have the stuff. You have to be able to command what you're throwing, but you also have to learn what works, what doesn't work, and how to make adjustments. And so far, it's hard not to look at all that and say that he hasn't been wildly successful in making the changes he needed to make and now implementing them in games. That's a huge thing for a guy who's still very young. Let's remember, 25 years old and not a ton of big league experience. So I do think all this is really significant in the bigger picture. And I think it's also encouraging in this regard, and this is something we've talked about, and I think rightfully so. You know, the Nats do not have any kind of a track record in recent years of making pitchers better. Like, there just has not been a lot of that. And in some cases, guys have gotten worse, not better. And we've wondered, like, what is going on here with the organization? What is up with the process? Well, let's give the Nats credit. I mean, you start with Josiah Gray first and foremost with the improvement, but Davey Martinez, the pitching coach, Jim Hickey, who knows what might be happening in terms of Nationals baseball operations, people behind the scenes, maybe some of the analytics people, you know, we don't know. But this is good. And this speaks well to maybe an improved process for the organization. I mean, you know, we're a month and change into the season, so let's not go crazy. But this is good. This is the kind of thing that to me you want to see as an ads fan First and foremost, because of Gray, but secondarily, the organization needs to get better at making people better. And maybe just maybe that's starting to happen here. It's a good point. And you know, I can think of not as much on the rotation side, but on the reliever side, Hunter Harvey, Mason Thompson. We've seen improvement from those guys from where they were, what they used to be to where they are now. And I, you know, you have to at least give some credit to whatever coaching and advice and analytics and everything else that they're being given. Yeah, that would be a really nice success story for the organization 
if they can not just get better because they acquired better players, but if they can turn players who, for whatever reason, they got from other teams and turn them into better pitchers than they were when they arrived here. That's a great sign for what might uh, lie ahead. Hey, Nat Chat, let me tell you about our episode sponsor today, ShirtGoodHQ.com. If you're listening to this podcast, their shirts are specifically for someone like yourself, those who know way too much about the DMV. Their t-shirt options include, we'll always have 2019 with that unforgettable Houston foul pole, the long drawn out phrase telling you about this copyrighted broadcast, street signs for Half Street, J Street, U Street, Georgia Avenue, and so much more. Log on to shirtgoodhq.com. If you didn't catch all that, you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at shirtgoodhq. Nats Chat listeners can get a special discount as well by using the promo code NATSCHAT. That's NATSCHAT, spell as it sounds, for 15% off your next purchase. Again, promo code NATSCHAT. Get that next shirt that you'll wear for a night out with your friends in Navy Yard. Shirtgoodhq.com. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Here's the set by Oviedo, the pitch. Manessas hits it hard on the ground, diving for it. The shortstop, Marcano, can't get it. Rounding third, Garcia. He'll come in to score. Heading for third is Ruiz. Sawinski up with it, throwing it into second base. It's a single to center, and a run batted in for Manessas, his 10th of the year. He's two for two, and the Nationals have scored three times here in the bottom of the second. Still with runners on first and third, and Jamer Candelario coming up. It's now the Nationals five, and the Pirates nothing. So the Nationals offensively in this 7-2 win over the Pirates on Sunday were good. And we have seen this year. The Nats have games like this, and they had another one on Sunday. Uh, Seven runs, 15 hits, which were comprised of three doubles and 12 singles. Uh, Four walks for the Nats, four of 14 with runners in scoring position. Yet two Nats players who each got on base four times in the game, Joey Manessis and Jamer Candelario. You know, I was looking at the Nationals' overall team batting numbers after this game, and this is interesting. So we know the Nats do not hit for any power. The Nats, in fact, are dead last in the majors in home runs, 15 home runs for the entirety of the season. But if you look at team batting average, the Nationals are 12th in the majors in team batting average. I mean, how many people would think that that's the case? And the Nats are 16th in the majors in team on base percentage. So middle of the pack, in two out of the three slash line categories. So 
you know, maybe we need to adjust how we talk about the Nationals offensively. Maybe it's not that they're really bad offensively. They're really bad at hitting for power. And that does need to improve. Like, I don't think we can minimize that. But when it comes to making contact, when it comes to getting on base, the Nats are actually putting together a profile of a team that isn't half bad in those regards. And they're not striking out. That's another one where they rank uh, very well among the whole league. I think what it points to, and we've kind of alluded to this a few times, that there's two ways you can go about this to try to score runs. You can either try to score them in bunches, and you do that by hitting home runs and hitting for power. Well, we know that that's just not who they're going to be. That's just not their MO. It's not the way they've been built to to be successful. So if you're not going to do that, then you have to come through with runners in scoring position. And that has been the bigger issue. I mean, in a lot of ways, their offensive performance on Sunday wasn't all that different from their offensive performance Saturday afternoon against Rich Hill when they had 13 at-bats with runners in scoring position in the first six innings, and they only had two hits and only one of them scored runs. The difference this time, they had 11 at-bats with runners in scoring position in the first four innings alone, but they had four hits and they were all big ones that scored multiple runs at a time. It's the timing of the hit. It's coming through in those spots. And you can say, well, hey, it's clutch hitting. It's it's random. It doesn't actually mean they have any particular skill in that department. And that may all be true. But if you're not going to hit home runs, then you better be good at this, whether it's a skill or not. And on this day, they were very good at it. And it does feel like when they get that one big one, it allows everybody to take a deep breath, relax, and they start compiling them in bunches. And they do this over several innings like they did in this game. Although it didn't come into play because Josiah was so good, he never let the Pirates back into it. But this is another one of those games where they scored a bunch early and they did nothing in the second half of the game. Now, they didn't need it, but we've seen at times that has come back to haunt them. It has. And it is bizarre the extent to which this team does score early in games and then so often doesn't do much offensively later in games. But, you know, I think about someone like Joey Manessis. So, Like I said, Manessis on Sunday got on base four times. He went four for five with an RBI single and three other singles. Manessis in the 16-1 loss on Saturday evening, two for four with two singles. He has been hitting better lately. He has. And if you're watching these games, I mean, you are seeing impressive plate appearances from Joey Manessis. He's going the other way. He's working counts. He just isn't hitting for like any power. He's become like Ichiro. You know, he's like Ichiro Manessis at this point. I mean, Joey Manessis for this season now, batting average of 286, that's pretty good. Slugging percentage of 366. 25 of his 32 hits have been singles, but you know, you can't just kill him for the lack of power because he is producing. Like he is getting on base. He is generating hits. You are seeing that with him. So that's kind of where we are with this team offensively. Candelario on Sunday, two for three with a big two-run double, a single, and a couple of walks. A Candelario on that two-run first, a two-out, two-run double to the left center field gap for a 2-0 Nats lead. Victor Robles on Sunday, two for four, a two-run double and a single. He had a Nats two-run third, had a one-out, two-run double. And Luis Garcia, I think Garcia is interesting because his overall offensive numbers for the season aren't good. We haven't really talked about that too much. He's playing really well at second base. The overall offensive numbers aren't good. And yet he has had a decent number of big hits. He had the triple earlier in the series. And Garcia on Sunday only went one for five, but the one was a two-run single, three-run second, a two-out, two-run single through the right side of the infield to put the Nats up 4 nothing. Luis was down at 1.02, came through with that hit. So sometimes it's not what, but when. And uh, you had that in effect on Sunday. That was a really important one, too, because of what happened the at-bat prior to that. They've got runners on second and third, one out. Alex Call tries to put down a squeeze bunt. 
pops it up into foul territory. A great play by Austin Hedges. The Pirates catcher would make this diving, sprawling catch. So I want to give him credit for that. But man, oh man, yet another example of the Nationals bunting and it not working out and nearly turning into disaster. Thankfully, Garcia delivered after that, and it kind of made it a moot point. If he doesn't, if he ends up striking out or grounding out, we're going to be talking about that call squeeze bunt that gone wrong as a huge part of this game potentially. There are people on Twitter who call Davey Martinez a horrible manager. I see that every day. And I I think that is, is overstating things just a bit. However, I will say this. The bunting has got to stop. The fixation with the bunting has got to stop. And he's the manager. I mean, he, he can shut that down if he wants to. You know, presumably he's calling a good number of these bunts. I don't get it, especially on a day like Sunday when the team is hitting. And with a guy like Cole who has been hitting, like, why do you have him bunt in a spot like that? I didn't understand that. It's almost to the point now, it's almost like comical in that we're predicting when these things are going to happen. And they almost always do. It's Robles. It's call. Sometimes it's Abrams. They can't allow themselves to think of, hey, we could actually have a big inning here if we just keep swinging. Like, we're hitting this guy well. Let's go for the big inning. And instead, it's like, no, we just have to try to score that one extra run because that might make all the difference. And it didn't hurt them in this case. I agree. I would rather have not seen it in that spot. Even if it's successful, you add on one more run, but you took an inning that could have been a big inning and made it potentially a small inning. It's like you're already a small ball team and you're making yourself an even smaller ball team by bunting. Like, don't add to the smallness of the ball, okay? Like, try to make the ball bigger, not smaller. And yet the team, uh, for whatever reason, tries to make the ball smaller with these bunt calls. I also want to make mention of this. So the two-run first was a two-out rally. Cape Ruiz got it going with a two-out first pitch single up the middle. I thought that was impressive. You know, that was a, a first inning that, you know, seemed like it was going to be a one, two, three inning, or at the very least a scoreless inning. And instead, with two outs, the Nats were in business and they got things going. So, you know, that was good too. And Johan Oviedo, the Pirate starter, has been very good. Their whole rotation has been outstanding. And so you're thinking, okay, they could be in for a long day there. So yeah, I agree. An inning that wasn't going anywhere, and they turned it into a big inning thanks to Ruiz and Manessas, and then the clutch hit from Candelario. A double, that counts as power, right? We're going to consider that as a, as a big hit. I, I was looking at Candelario, the numbers, he is hitting some doubles, and he's got a few home runs. And while the batting average for him hasn't been that high, and he's not hitting a lot of singles, if you actually look at his isolated power, that's essentially extra base hits divided by at-bats, right? Do I have that right? You take the singles out of the equation. It's at like 168 now. It's just a little bit below where he was a couple years ago when he led the American League in doubles. So he is actually hitting for power, quote unquote, the way that they were hoping he would. He's just not hitting as many singles. So that's maybe a small glimmer of a good sign there that Candelario could actually end up being the doubles machine and the occasional home run guy that they thought they were getting this winter. Yeah, I mean, if you break down his hits, he has 26 hits. 10 of the 26 hits are extra base hits. That's pretty good. Six doubles to go with four home runs. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat's chat sponsor, Mason Kalfis, and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. 
Mason Kalfas has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than a half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nat Chat listeners, Tim Shovers here, producer of the podcast, to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to these shouldn't be stressful. That's why you should look into the Game Time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. For a reason, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And Finnegan comes set. Runner goes the pitch. Swing and a miss. He blows him away with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. And bang, Zuma, curly W's in the books. Okay, so 
you have now this series was played in its entirety. We didn't know what was going to happen on Sunday. And so I think that really sort of muddied the waters with the pitching plans. Now, at least there's a little more clarity, although we have a game coming up for which there is not an announced starting pitcher for the Nats. So next up is a four-game series against the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park. You have games Monday through Thursday. The Nats starting pitchers as listed by the team, Mackenzie Gore, Monday night, Trevor Williams, Tuesday night, TBD, Wednesday night, and then Patrick Corbin, Thursday afternoon. Do we have a good sense on who Wednesday night might be? I know you tweeted the other day that Corey Abbott would seem to be the guy. Is that how you're still feeling, or do you think somebody else could get the nod? Well, they wanted to get through Sunday because if some reason the game wasn't played, they could have just pushed everybody back and it wouldn't have become an issue. Once they got through that, Davey did say that they're not going to mess around anybody else's turn. It is Wednesday that they will call someone up now for that start, barring any more rain the rest of the week. Corey Abbott is on schedule. That would be his turn. He just struck out 12 and only allowed one hit in five and two thirds in his last start. He may not be a long-term answer. Or, you know That may not be reflective of who he's going to be. We've seen him in the big leagues a little bit, and the results have not been all that impressive. But we're just talking about a spot start here in all likelihood. So that would be my hunch. You don't want to move anyone else around and take them off their schedule. So I think barring any other changes between now and then, he seems to be the, the likely candidate for that. I also think it's interesting, the Friday rain out and then the doubleheader Saturday put Chad Cool and Patrick Corbin on the same day. So you had your choice now of who to go back to. They're going with Corbin first. He stays on normal rest, which means Cool, assuming that he stays in the rotation, I think he will, would then get the first start in Arizona on Friday with an extra day of rest. So they are now breaking up the order that they'd used straight through from opening day, where Corbin was one, Gray two, and Gore three. Cool is now inserted in between Corbin and Josiah Gray. Now, we'll see how many more he gets. I think he's kind of on a start-to-start basis in theory, the way he's been going. If Corey Abbott were to pitch well, they said, well, hang on, maybe we can keep him around. Let's see how Cool does the next time. You could potentially make a switch there at some point. But I do think over the rest of the week, you'll see a fill-in starter Wednesday, and then Cool should be lined up for Friday. And what's going to be a pretty important start for him, I would imagine, in Arizona. Do you think the team has at all entertained doing something like starting Mason Thompson on Wednesday night and not with the idea of him pitching seven innings, but maybe pitching like three or four innings, given that he has pitched well in these lengthier appearances lately? I think it would require two really long starts the next two days to avoid using a lot of the bullpen. That's essentially a bullpen game is what you're talking about with one guy taking a bulk of them early on. He's become so valuable to them in a lot of ways and a guy who can pitch late innings, multiple innings, come in and get out of a jam in the seventh inning, things like that. I don't think they would mess around with that right now to do that. I think they would rather bring in a traditional starter for what's supposed to be a spot start. If somehow Mackenzie Gore goes seven or eight and then Trevor Williams does the same, you could make a case to do that. But I don't think they'd be that worried about trying to – I don't think they get that cute at this point. They love Mason Thompson. Why mess with a good thing right now? And he did struggle in his last appearance uh, for whatever that's worth. So Chad Cool is still on the Nationals major league roster. Anthony Bonda is not. Uh, the Nationals on Sunday morning did announce that the team had designated Bonda for assignment off uh, his latest rough outing, which came in the game one loss of the doubleheader on Saturday. Not the 16-1 loss, the first game, the 6-3 loss. That was a game in which Bonda had a hard time. So Bonda gets DFA'd, and the Nats brought up reliever Andres Machado from AAA Rochester. He actually looked pretty good in this game on Sunday. A couple of scoreless innings for the Nats. 
And that's what they need him for. Two innings, no nonsense, you know, not the highest leverage spot, but that's fine. You need guys who can do that. And I mean, think about this. If Anthony Bond is on the team, are you trusting him with those two innings with a, you know, 7-1 lead in the seventh? No, you're not. And so that's the value Machado brings. Yes, you don't have any left-handers now, but as we discussed the other day, at some point, you'd rather just have good quality right-handers than a left-hander just for the sake of it, especially when you're not even using that left-hander to match up in big spots. So that is a move that makes a lot of sense to me. And what Machado did in this game is exactly what you need. You needed to get through this game with as few relievers as possible. And they just about did that with Josiah going six. Machado for two, and then Finnegan, who hadn't pitched in a few days, needed the work anyways, closing it out in the ninth. So that's exactly the way you wanted that to work out. Now you have just about everybody fresh and ready to go for the Cubs series. Yeah, Finnegan gave up a run. It was funny. So many of the B bullpen guys got used in the doubleheader on Saturday that you had to use an A bullpen guy in this game on Sunday, even though it was essentially a blowout win for the Nats. But it made sense, and Finnegan uh, at least got some work. Well, a shout out to a listener of this podcast, Peter Mullinax. Uh, He's a listener from Fredericksburg. He works for the National Weather Prediction Center. And he on Sunday responded with a perfectly accurate weather prediction upon request. Tim Schobers put it out there. Hey, any update from Capital Weather for Nats fans regarding this rain delay situation? Because the rain delay ended up being about two and a half hours. Well, Peter came through. So we thank him for that. We thank him for listening to the podcast. A thank you to our presenting sponsor for this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast, ShirtGood. Make sure that you visit ShirtGoodHQ.com. Great selection of custom DC novelty t-shirts. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. And as I mentioned earlier, you can check out our new website, NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. But before we go, we want to leave you with something special. Our guy Tim Shovers with some thoughts on the April that was for the Nationals. As the first month of the season has ended, just wanted to check in here and sort of give my wide-angle lens view of the team thus far. I know you get Mark and Al on a day-to-day basis and no one's better than them, but Just wanted to share some of my thoughts as I also follow the team on a granular day-by-day basis. And I wanted to share that I think April 2023 is the best month that the Nationals organization has had since the rebuild began, which was at the tail end of July 2021 when they had the trade deadline. And Trey Turner and Max Scherzer were part of the fire sale that was, and all those big trades happened. I would say this is the best it's been since June of 2021. The Nats were above 500 as that month had ended. They were on their way to having a bunch of all-stars. I know it's kind of painful to think that Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Kyle Schwarber were all on that team. It's been a rough and slow rebuild. We know that. We appreciate everyone that's been hanging in there with us through this rebuild. But because of the success of Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, I do believe that this is the best month that the team has had. These are actual cornerstones that are looking good. There are things to be excited about. From day one with Josiah Gray, we've been wondering, could he be a frontline starter, or is he more of a number three? Could he be that number two? Based on what we've seen in April, he definitely could be number two, if not flirting with a little bit higher. Mackenzie Gore, less of a sample size because we've only had him, of course, this month, but I really have enjoyed seeing him. I think there's ace potential there. And if Mackenzie Gore works out, that Juan Soto trade, I know it was painful at the time, but that will start looking 
a heck of a lot better. Two other big pieces. Caber Ruiz just looks and feels like a franchise catcher to me, and the team backed it up with their checkbook. And also C.J. Abrams. I know it's a really slow start to the year with a trio of errors on opening day, but he looks the part. To me, he's an everyday shortstop, and that would only be a sweetener to that Juan Soto trade. So because of Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray, I think April has been a really good month. Some other good things uh, in the organization. There are more players and more prospects to follow down on the farm, including Elijah Green and James Wood. Green, the first pick from last summer, he's at low A Fredericksburg. And then you have James Wood, who is part of the Soto trade. He's with high A Wilmington. It's my guess. It is my hunch with zero information to back it up that they could be promoted in a month or two and then you could see green go up to wilmington and wood go up to double a harrisburg that would be fun to see there's a lot to follow with the minor leagues right now with the washington nationals and we'll do our best here at nat chat podcast to update you that throughout this entire spring summer and fall i also thought that the road trip the recent one where they went to the twins and the mets four and two two sweep opportunities i thought that that is the best road trip the Nats have had in a really long time. To me, the biggest positive of the entire road trip actually came in the form of a negative, and that was Thursday night's loss at City Field. The Nats rallied back, took the lead on a C.J. Abrams Grand Slam, and then Mason Thompson blew it in the bottom of the eighth. However, when's the last time you were aggravated about a Nats loss, like actually aggravated about an individual Nats loss because there were some stakes to it, because they were six outs away from their first three-game sweep since – Here's that month again, June of 2021. And the Nats are 10 and 17, by the way. That would put them exactly on pace for 60 victories. I know that sounds not great because that would mean 102 losses. But just keep in mind, they had 55 wins a year ago. So right now, as we're exactly one-sixth of the way through the season, the math is looking a little bit better in 2023 than it did in 2022. While I'm here, I don't want to miss this at bat, this opportunity to thank all of our listeners, our sponsors, Everyone for listening to the Nash Chat Podcast. We are in Season 3. Things are going well, and we're excited to keep going into May of our third season here at the Nash Chat Podcast. Lastly, as I wrap up this April 2023 report, I just want to play you some of the highlights I thought was the best win of the month, and that was a Sunday afternoon in a comeback victory against the Cleveland Guardians. Lead off second for Garrett. Two out. Bieber sets. Now his pitch on the way, and a swing and a little looping line drive into right center field. That's a base hit. Garrett around third, coming in to score. Thomas trying for second. The throw is offline. So Lane Thomas legs out a double. He drives in Stone Garrett, who led off the inning with a double. And the Nationals lead by the score of 2 to nothing. Now the 2-2. Swing and a ground ball to short. Abrams has it. He'll throw to second for one and on to first for the double play, but this will score a run. A straw will cross the plate, and it's 6-3 Guardians. It'll be a 1-2 on the way, swinging a fly ball. Center field, not deep. Straw moving in. He has a great arm. In shallow left center, he makes the catch. Garrett's going to try and score. Throw coming into the plate. The tag. He is out of the call at the plate. And we'll see if the Nationals challenge. Smith was signaling safe. Davey Martinez has his hand up. After review, we had blocking of the plate. The run scores. Well, Nationals win the challenge. The game is tied. Straight up in the infield, the pitch. Swing and a line drive through the right side. A base hit right field. Abrams scores from third. Smith to second. And Joey Manessis 
has given the Nationals the lead with his second end of the day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.